0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Boiler Track Show, a show by Boiler Upload of the Rivals Network. And today we are being joined for the second time by Bobby Buckets himself, uh, color commentator for Purdue Men's Basketball Radio. Uh, Bob, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk some uh, Boiler Ball.
0: Yes, sir. Of course. Uh, Whenever you want to come on, you're you're always welcome. You know that. Um, So obviously right off the bat, uh, Purdue's coming off a tough loss, against indiana and bloomington uh just what were some of your takeaways um from that game being there
1: yeah it's tough coming off a loss right you start to get into (laughs) that habit of just like we play and then we win Uh Um, and then we enjoy uh the fruits of those of those victories so yeah it's definitely a bummer of course losing that game especially when you lose to your rival like that uh but it was a, a tough, tough place to play at. As everyone knows, Assembly Hall, it was a great environment there. And you know, when you have the number one team in the country and your are our tribal coming to the building, you would expect that the environment going to be off the charts and that the team, Indiana, is going to play um, with their hair on fire and, and bring a lot of energy, which they did from the, from the start. And it definitely caused us some issues there as far as like handling their pressure. They did a really good job, you know, pr- forcing our offense to operate from further out in the court than we're comfortable with. And, and that, you know, we're as effective at, and uh, you know, we're not a team that's got a whole lot of guys necessarily who are great at putting the ball on the floor and like creating plays. And so that's, you know, strategy of really getting out there and pressuring, especially if the officials will allow you to, you know, pressure and not call fouls, you know, that's going to be an effective strategy at times against us. And of course they force a lot of turnovers in that first half and you know that first half with the 11 turnovers and the number of, breakaway baskets they're able to get and just the lack of opportunities we get on the offensive end from either a shot standpoint or an offensive rebound yeah. standpoint considering how good we are at offensive rebounding you know you build that 15 point halftime deficit and that ends up just being too much to overcome but I think there were some really positive takeaways as far as how we you know went into halftime regrouped came back in the second half and really took a two on there for, for the majority of that second half um you know, it was unfortunate that the league was, was too big to overcome. Got it down to one at one point, but just couldn't quite make enough plays down the stretch to win. But I think the fact that we showed a lot of resolve and got a, some great learning experience for our young guards uh, to go through something like that, I think is just going to make us, you know, better over down the road because we're not going to play in a more hostile environment than that the rest mm-hmm. of the season. So, yeah, no doubt. And
0: how concerned are you? I mean, we've seen with with Indiana and then and the in the other loss this season against Rutgers. The big guards obviously had an impact on, on Purdue's guards. Uh, Just how concerned are you um, about that moving forward for Purdue?
1: Well, I think that's a concern for any team, honestly. I mean, big athletic guards who can move on the perimeter and have active hands, like they're going to give any team issues. Mm -hmm. And of course, when they play with a whole lot of intensity and energy because they're backed by a hostile crowd, that's going to make them even better. And if they get a, you know, usually when you're playing in an environment like that, as the home team, you're going to get a friendlier whistle. You can be more physical on the perimeter and you won't get as many of those touch fouls. So all those things worked in Indiana's favor and against Purdue, but uh, that's just life on the road in the Big Ten. And um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be something that for any team, but certainly Purdue, uh, if you face a team that's got really athletic perimeter defenders that can force. You know, Purdue likes to run a lot of those set plays and, you know, get into their actions and then throw the ball inside. well one of the ways to not allow Zaki to get the ball is to pressure those guards enough to push them out further enough out on the floor that they aren't able to feel comfortable throwing in a bounce pass or if they try to throw in a bounce pass from too far away it can get stolen so on and so forth so that's definitely a concern I mean I would say just like for any team um, but certainly Purdue that playing a team that's really good man-to-man pressure defense uh, is something that Purdue is going to have to be on their A game to handle Yeah, no doubt.
0: And you've mentioned that atmosphere a few times. What do people not understand about the Indiana Purdue rivalry and and playing in those insane atmospheres that I mean you really can't even explain unless unless you're there playing in it?
1: Right, no question. It's just it's just bonkers. You know, like (laughs) you're just sitting there and you're just kind of like myself. I'm sitting there, I'm just kind of like looking around, soaking it all in because that's just what makes the gig I get to do so special is uh, these road environments are, are really fun to be in, and especially the way Purdue has been the last handful of years being a top 10 team oftentimes. And, you know, we're getting these, most of these teams are bringing their best crowd for us. Nah. And IU of course is going to be no different from that standpoint. And so, uh, you know, it's just really fun. It's what makes college basketball so special, right? Like you don't get that, Type of environment in the NBA, for instance, mm. like that is hostile, like they're out to get you, <laughs> and you know, you can feed off of that, right? The home crowd's feeding, or the home team is feeding off that with the positive energy. And you know, the road team sometimes is able to feed off that as far as like uh, trying to silence the crowd, things of that mm. nature. But it's just, it's really fun, and what makes college basketball so great is being in an environment like that. But when you know, when the home team gets a little success and the crowd gets going, like they can really. It's amazing how, even though it's just still basketball and it's still 94 feet or whatever, the they can speed you up. The, the crowd wow. and the intensity and everything, it can speed you up as a player and maybe make you do something that's uncharacteristic. And, of course, a lot of that has to do with not only the crowd, but the defense that is thriving off that energy and flying around. So, uh, yeah, it was a really fun environment to be in. I'm looking forward, of course, to us being able to return the favor of Mackie, because you know is gonna be off the charts as well when that game comes around.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And it felt I mean, just watching on TV and obviously I wasn't there. I didn't I didn't see it up close and personal, but it it looked to me like Purdue kind of tried to go in into Bloomington business as, as usual in the first, first section of the, of the game. And then Indiana was acting like it was their final four. Like they were juiced up and it felt like, I, I don't know What's your, what's your, what's your thoughts on that. Cause for me, it, it did look like Purdue was trying to go in there and, and have a level head in it. They just got sped
1: up like you, like you kind of mentioned. For sure. I think it's interesting because basically the same exact story unfolded for us in the first half last year in that game and in the first mm-hmm. half this year. And, you know, last year's team, even though we had a lot of experience, a lot of those guys hadn't played at Indiana in front of a crowd like that in a while or ever. You know, Jaden Ivey hadn't ever. You know, Sasha and Eric hadn't in a couple years because of COVID and stuff. So, like, you go in that thinking, like, okay, business as usual. It's another road game. we got to be locked in. But then you get hit with, like, the intensity (laughs) and energy of that IU crowd in a rivalry game that's different than any other road game you face faced that year let's just be honest like it's just it's a different deal and the home team is inspired as all get out to try to get the win and it's just a different animal than what you've seen before and so like this year's team has young guards they haven't played in this environment um you know even a guy like Ethan Morton who's played in it last year like didn't play a bunch of minutes necessarily like it's just a whole different deal than a lot of the other road environments. And so, like, you kind of – I don't know this for a fact, of course, but, like, you and I were were hypothesizing. You know, maybe those guys go into the game thinking, okay, business as usual, just like these other road games we played, and then it just doesn't end up being (laughs) the same as every road game you played. And it unfortunately, just like last year, took us a half to, like, take a deep breath and settle into the game. And, of course, in in both instances, it turned out to be uh, too much to overcome.
0: Now, I mean, during during your broadcasting career, you've seen you've seen a few court stormings. Um, What's that? I mean, just just to start, what's that like being down there and then seeing all those all those kids running down on the court? What's that like? Yeah,
1: I know. I I I know it's probably tough in a loss.
0: I know it's probably tough in a loss, but
1: right. No, I mean. I love college basketball. I love all that stuff. So like the course forms are great. I hate that it's at our expense of course, but um, it is a backhanded compliment or whatever to us saying like, if you're going to rush the court on us, that means you think it was pretty awesome to beat us of course. So that's, that is nice uh, to have that happen. I suppose if, if you're going to lose, have that sort of respect for your program, but uh, yeah, I think I saw, like, maybe five of our last six losses in Big Ten play have had courts stormed or something like that, mm-hmm. dating back to last year, um, which is just wild because, yeah, it's kind of become the norm. Like, mm-hmm. on these on the road, I have to go down to the Purdue locker room and, and get Coach Painter for a post-game interview for the radio show. And it's become, like, an adventure <laughs> for me. Like, mission impossible. How do I make it to the locker room? <laughs> you know, in a reasonable time period to get his interview done and on the show while having to maneuver around <laughs> court storms. Like, it's crazy. Like, my first ever post-game interview with Coach Payne was at the Rutgers game last year. Because oh. on the home games, Rob Blackman just handles it because Coach mm-hmm. Painter puts on a radio set in the Purdue locker room, and then Rob just handles it. But on the road games, Rob has to handle the rest of the post-game show, going through the statistics, Uh, um, doing some other stuff for the postgame show and so I get sent to the uh, Purdue locker room to get an interview with Payne and so the first time I'd ever done it was the Rutgers game last year when Harper hits the the half quarter Mm -hmm. and I like as I'm trying to like get down to the floor and get back to the locker I'm just like holy cow this is insane (laughs) you know what am I going to ask coach Payne about like you know obviously it's a stressful high intensity loss so all that was working through my head, but now I'm like, I'm a seasoned vet and just having <laughs> to interview pay after we lose in some crazy heartbreaking fashion where the fans <laughs> storm the court. So yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah.
0: And I, I mean, I know Purdue fans on Twitter and, and things like that. They're going to be upset about the court stormings, mm-hmm. but like you said, it is kind of a, a compliment for, for the program. And, and then I look at it, maybe it's just cause I'm young, but I mean, they're a bunch of drunk 18 to 22 year olds. What, I mean, what do yeah. you expect? You know what I mean? So, like, I don't
1: – No, I mean, if you beat the number one team in the country, like, yeah, it's an obligation you storm the court. I don't care who. So, if it's your rival or whatever, like, if you beat the number one team in the country, you storm the court. Let's just – come on. That's kids yeah, having fun, absolutely. in my opinion. But, you know, everybody's got their own opinion on the matter. So,
0: Yeah. I And then I was trying to think back. I don't know if I've ever seen Purdue storm the court. I know they did for football um, in recent years. But we actually
1: did when I was a – we actually did when I was a player. Did you really? yeah. Uh, yeah, my so my junior year, Robbie Hummel and Etwan and John, all those guys were the baby boilers as freshmen. And Wisconsin was like a top ten team, definitely top ten. And because they ended up winning the league, that they won the Big Ten that year, we got second. And their only two losses in the Big Ten play were to us. We beat them twice. No one else in the Big Ten can beat them. And we lost to the Big Ten by them by one game to them, which was infuriating. <laughs> it was like can no one else beat Wisconsin? Uh, so. They win the league. They were top ten. Came into our building. Robbie Hummel gets a block at like in the final seconds to um, preserve the win. And the students rest the court. It was insane. Like they were jumping over like that that you know big yeah. balcony or whatever where the scoreboards those little side scoreboards are at. Mm-hmm. And like I run out in the court to like embrace Hummel. Um, and as I, it was crazy because as I'm running out to him. All I could see over his shoulder was a stampede of students, <laughs> and so like as I embraced him, we got like embraced. But by- it was it was actually a pretty pretty unbelievable moment. Yeah, but that's the only time I can think of it happening. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I forgot about
0: that. Well, that was when I was like five you or you were six. pretty little. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, five or six, I think.
1: Maybe yeah, it the- would have
0: been the oh seven oh eight season. Yeah, so I was like six seven around there. That's why I forgot, yeah, yeah. but. That is awesome. You're probably in
1: bed. You're probably in bed already, dude. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, um,
0: but yeah, I mean, that 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 atmosphere is something that I think everybody has to has to uh, experience. That Indiana Purdue rivalry, because I mean, say what you want, it's up there with the Duke UNC and and all the, all the great college basketball and college football rivalries. Um, Indiana Purdue is up at the top, so. No question and um I mean, moving forward, um, I mean, what are you looking for in terms of how this team responds responds to a loss?
1: Sure, and I think you know this game Thursday is a big one, right? because mm-hmm. you know you get punched in the mouth at Indiana, you, you know you rally back, but you're not quite able to get it done and and now um you got to be able to respond. you got to come back home and defend home turf. And take on a Iowa team that's really talented, you know Chris Murray and uh, the rest of those boys. They can really score the basketball. So you're going to have to be really locked in from a personnel standpoint and from a defensive game plan standpoint to slow these guys down. Obviously, got to make sure you take care of the basketball. They're probably going to apply some some pressure full court, I would think, um, whether it's aggressive or token. I would imagine they'll do it to some degree since that's what they do to a lot of teams. And mm-hmm. they can really, with their length and stuff, can get active. We've seen Purdue struggle with some of that pressure I was presented in the past. Um, so, yeah, we got to make sure we take care of the basketball because if you turn it over against them, that's a recipe for disaster with how good they are offensively. And uh, that's probably going to be the key of the game, honestly. I would imagine if Purdue's able to keep the turnovers 12 and under, going to have a great chance to win. If it gets over 12, it's going to get dicey. So, I'll uh, be really interested to see. You know how how we come out and uh, how we bounce back from this game, but you know there's only seven Big Ten games left. You got a three game lead in the conference uh, standing. so you know it's right there in front of you to try to go out there, win a couple more here in a row, and try to clinch this uh, Big Ten title.
0: And they got a sneaky tough little stretch coming up too, at or after the Iowa game at Northwestern, at Maryland, and then Indiana again, I believe. All in a row.
1: Ohio, Ohio, St- Ohio, Ohio State, State, State at home, and then Indiana at home. Yeah, you know, that's that's a tough little stretch. Yep, yeah, and then we got Illinois at home. We got at Wisconsin after that. Uh, it's at Wisconsin, then at, and then home against Illinois to finish. So, th- this is probably the most difficult stretch of the season as far as quality of games in the Big Ten for mm-hmm. us. I think you know when you look at when you start with that Indiana game on the road. You know, those these last eight games we had were probably the most difficult stretch, I would say, as far as the quality of opponent. And, um, yeah, so <laughs> we're going to have to bring, you know, bring our A game here down the stretch if we want to be able to uh, wrap up this big title.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how they deal with the with the Northwestern defense. Who's kind of come
1: yeah, out of – They're really guarding. They've come out of nowhere. They've been playing really well this year. Yeah, they're really guarding this year. Uh, they had a new assistant coach added to their staff this year, who's who coached at Southern Illinois, I believe, with Coach Painter Lowry, I think is his last name. Um, I think he's really brought uh, some good addition, a good addition from a defensive standpoint to their program. Maybe different philosophies, you know, working well with Coach Collins to kind of revamp that defense. And uh, they're really flying around. I feel like their uh, strategy on that end of the floor has been really solid. And Chase Audige and some of their personnel, of course, uh, have helped that. You know, Chase Audige is a really good defender, active hands. Robbie Barron's, I think, an underrated defender, long, you know, can move his feet pretty well at that power forward spot. And then, uh, you know, Matthew Nicholson's given them a really solid interior mm-hmm. presence on that end of the floor. Um, you know, he ain't he ain't seen Zach Eady yet, but um, <laughs> he has had to go against Jackson Davis and some other really talented bigs. So, uh, their win at Indiana was one of the more impressive wins of this season. Cause I think the only ended up winning by one was the final score, but they pretty much controlled that game throughout and uh, North you know, Indiana made a late run, but uh, Northwestern, that's, it's going to be a tough game. We're going to have to be really locked in and um, to be able to go on the road and get that one.
0: Now going back to Iowa, just how tough will that Chris Murray matchup be for Caleb first and, and Mason Gillis who are going to be
1: most likely guarding him for, for the whole game. Yeah, it's a tough matchup. That guy's a, a versatile scorer; can score pretty much at all three levels. He's going left pretty much every time. So, uh, but like a lot of these talented guys, even though if you know they're going one way or the other, they oftentimes can still find a way to uh, get back to that strong hand. But yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup for those guys. It's going to be, you know, something that you know. Yeah, I remember um, Ethan had a lot of success guarding Keegan Murray at times in the. Uh, Big Ten tournament game Mm -hmm. when we played him in the Big Ten tournament championship. So, you know, I would presume that, you know, Caleb or Mason will start on him, but on Chris Murray, but maybe uh, we could go to Ethan that sometimes on Chris too. It'll be interesting to see if we go that route at all, but uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be something where from a team-wide standpoint, you really have to be heating on him because one guy is probably going to struggle just to stop him one-on-one. So, uh, he can shoot the three. He can he can really drive it. He's athletic, so he can really get it on the offensive glass as well. So, uh, producing that, hooked
0: up. Has really impressed me, too. I don't know how much, how much of Iowa you've been able to watch, but he's kind of – I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but he's put it all together and turned into possibly an all-Big Ten player, maybe on the third team, if he can sneak in there.
1: That's a good call. I have seen some of their more recent games, and you're right. He's been a problem. He is uh, – he's always been a a talented back to the basket guy, but you can tell just feeling more comfortable in their system and getting more opportunities, Uh, you know, with Bohannon gone and Keegan Murray gone, you know, he's probably their second option. I would say offensively now, you know, behind Chris Murray and he's thriving, you know, he he can score with either hand around the basket. He's got good footwork, really good touch, uh, can step out and make that little 15 footer on occasion. And um yeah, he's someone that is a difficult matchup. I mean, if you try to just guard him one on one, you know, Zach with his size might have a little more success than some other bigs, but for the most part, you try to guard him one on one in the post, you know, that's a tough, a tough ass to stop him because he can go either way and he's got great touch. And so I presume, you know, if he gets the ball on the block, pretty we'll we'll double big to big like we do, you know, all those quality big men in the league, but you know, he, he's not quite as versatile as Jackson Davis. You know, Jackson Davis, we would double him, and then he had that ability to dribble out of the double yeah. and then come downhill and attack you one-on-one after your double has left him. And, uh, you know, that's what something that makes Jackson Davis so special. I don't, I'm not sure if has quite got that ability off the bounce. So hopefully uh, if we can get some good strong doubles on him on the catch, we can knock him out of his game a little bit. But he's certainly been playing at a high level.
0: Last question for you. Who's a guy that you think is an X factor for this team continuing the success that, that they've had for, for most of the season, um, heading into this final stretch for Purdue or Iowa for Purdue.
1: Sorry for Purdue. Uh, X factor for Purdue. Well, you know, I think we've got really good contributions from our starting lineup, you know, for the most majority of the season, I think, you know, David Jenkins, the way he's been shooting the ball as of late, you know, and then Mason Gillis, I think those two guys off the bench, getting Purdue solid contributions game in game out moving forward are big keys. Um, you know, obviously everyone's got to play well, mm. but I think those two guys being, you know, offensive con- contributors and shooting the ball the way they have. I think if that continues, that really makes Purdue a tough team to guard and, uh, you know, I think that would be something that moving forward would just make us extremely difficult to guard game in game out if we're not only having Zach and the contributions from our starters, but if we have those guys coming off the bench given uh, production, I think that's uh, something that would be a huge X factor for us moving forward. Yeah, that's kind
0: of what I was thinking. So you led into my next point. Um, I mean, Brandon Newman, David Jenkins Jr. and Ethan Morton, uh, they're combining for around 12 points a game in league play. And I just feel like I mean, those those guys can all. I mean, specifically Newman and, and David Jenkins Jr. Those guys can both light it up. They can they can yeah. catch fire and and score twelve points a game on their own. Um, I mean, I I think that's what Purdue's gonna need, especially heading into the tournament, where they're gonna need a guy off the bench that can go get them ten to twelve points. Um, if, I mean, no one really stops Edie, but if Lawyer or, or Smith or First or Gillis or whoever's kind of struggling, uh, they're going to need someone to step up. And, and like you mentioned, I think David Jenkins Jr. could be that guy.
1: No question. I mean, if you're going to get fortunate enough to go on a run in March where you win hopefully four games to get to <laughs> the final four and maybe even six, of course, to, to win it all, throughout the course of a run, you're going to need different guys to step up on different games, right? And so I, I, remember, I think back to that Michigan team in 2013, that had that great run to the final and you know our boy Spike Albrecht (laughs) who ended up you know wearing the the black and gold his last year he uh you know was was major league for them as a freshman on that team coming off the bench having moments in some different games of course he has the great game against Louisville in the championship but in some of those earlier games in the tournament he came off the bench and hit big shots and uh you know shot making is massive in the tournament you know and so you got to have a guy like a Brandon Newman or a Mason Gillis or a David Jenkins, or even an Ethan Morton, you know, hit some shots and timely moments just to uh, be able to get through the rigors of a, a long run in March. So hopefully that's in our future.
0: Yeah. I thought the two threes, uh, David Jenkins Jr. hit in, in particular, I thought those were going to be a big momentum swing and possibly push Purdue into the lead. And like we kind of talked about earlier, just couldn't make enough, couldn't hit enough shots um in crunch time honestly is what it, what it boiled down to and that happens sometimes
1: yep yeah for sure you know david hits those two threes mason hits one brandon newman hits one. So that's four threes from your bench there and that little stretch where we really were finally able to take it from that double digit deficit down to you know one or two possessions and i'm with you once those guys started raining those threes and i was like all right we got these guys on the ropes and uh yeah, give, give those guys credit, man. They stepped up and hit big shots, and we put that pressure on Indiana. We weren't ever quite able to get it tied or take the lead to, I think, really ramp that pressure up on them mm-hmm. to hold off uh, our squad. But uh, it was exciting to see us get it going there, shooting-wise in the second half, to, to get it close.
0: Well, hey, man, I'm going to wrap this thing up, let you go. Um, as always, appreciate the time, and best of luck. Keep up the good work, man. All right. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me.